The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Just reading this headline here in Drudge. Ready for this one? Okay. Plastic surgeons say more men requesting butt implants. Gary McNamara. <laughs> Wait. Okay. For themselves? Yeah. I, yes. Because I, I, you know, I'm well, just asking. Well, is a gift maybe? I, well, yeah. I mean, is that something you would give to a family member? <laughs> hey. I got you something. What? Can can open I it. just open it? <laughs> I I just want to I just want to read this line because I like the way that it was written. Okay, sometimes somebody writes a writes a sentence uh-huh. that is just worth even if you go mm. sometimes it's worth reading a sentence. And this one was worth reading. Okay. The study aimed to define the aesthetics of the ideal male buttock. Hmm. While cosmetic procedures like gluteal augmentation and lifting have been predominantly associated with women, there's a rising interest among men as well. Is there? Is there really? Is there really? Is there really? I don't think there is. Well, let me let me say this one thing though, because I I told you the one thing. I'm never I'm never on Instagram. I have an Instagram account because my great nephew will post uh, his basketball stuff on, so I'm never on. Which means I get followers every single day, and they're all scantily clad women. Yeah, with yeah. monstrous rear ends. Okay. They're all young. All right. And they're monstrous. Yeah. Now, I may be butt-shaming. Actually, you may not be. It could be AI. A lot of that is done by AI now. The bots. They're really? actually not real people. Yeah. Oh. Thanks. Well, then I'm happy. Thank God. 
Yeah, but it's modeled after real people. Because them are some big butts. Yeah. And they're promoting it as if it's, it's something that I wish to see. And it's something that I don't wish to see. Yeah, well, then now you're going to see it because you said it and Google just heard it. No, no it's going to be on my <laughs> It's going to be on your phone on the way home. Well, I'm gonna get and, and Sir Mix-a-Lot, he's going to be on there, too. <laughs> just for, you know, just just in case you were talking about that. I'm going to be on my computer tomorrow yeah. on National Review going, mm-hmm. what What are these huge butt ads on yeah. National Review? I'm, I'm on the Wall Street Journal. Why am I seeing these ads? <laughs> okay. Someone's got to do it. Buttocks in a box. All right. So from the makers of the solar powered tanning bed. Lawn chair for critical thinkers. Comes buttocks in a box. Right? Mm-hmm. And it basically will be, and I I guess I think they already sell the the padding. I know I saw that somewhere. Where, you know, you just put the padding on, you don't have the surgery, you just put the padding on. And what it looks like you're wearing, you know, knee pads, you know, for sports and everything. Basically, knee pads for your butt. That's what it looks like. That's what it would be. And you wear those. I mean, if you're going to fake it, why go through the surgery? That's dangerous. Now, I don't think I'm breaking any FCC rules here. But Study Finds did the study and research on what people want in butts. Yeah, okay. And again, this is a sentence that I just must read. Right. I have no choice. Well, no buts about it. Let's go. Yeah. In our survey, Raiders thought the ideal male buttock shouldn't be flat, but also shouldn't stick out too far, explained Dr. Patel. Mm -hmm. These buttocks shouldn't be too wide either and should retain the characteristic dimple on the sides. Okay. I, I haven't. That is more time that I've spent in my entire life thinking about butts. Yes, thinking yeah. about well, or analyzing. Let me see. I'm going to be looking at it. I go. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm an old guy, though. Does it really matter? I don't think I've ever spent five minutes in my entire life. I don't. I've spent a minute my entire life analyzing stuff like that. I, I have not. the The only time it has happened where. In my brain, the words, you know, my buttocks and lift have ended up in the same sentence is, I better lift my buttocks off this couch and go rake up those leaves. Yes, maybe, yes. I need to get my butt moving. That's the only, if Google heard that wrong and took that as a an increase by males in interest for this stuff, then oh that's gosh. on Google. That's not on me. <laughs> I I really have been my entire life. Well, that's what I am. Whatever. I mean, it's like <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to spend. No, what it is is I'm cheap. I'm not going to spend that kind of money. Well, first of all, doesn't it require a, a special kind of mirror to assess that situation? I don't think I have one of those. Oh, you don't. You can buy them at Amazon. Uh. What I meant was, I haven't heard of those either. <laughs> 
the buttocks analysis mirror or BAM, as they call it. Sometimes it is worth still going back to Drudge Report to see those kind of headlines. You know what? Drudge still has some value. (laughs) And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, here's what I wanted to play though cuz we were we were we were talking about earlier bef- <laughs> before we get on Well, we were before we get on butts, we were talking about the asinine ideas. There you go. <laughs> that this administration is coming up with mm-hmm. uh where and there's a headline right there from economist Stephen Moore, President Biden just pledged to shut down 60% of America's electric power. Their plan to shut down all coal and all natural gas. We've known this already, yeah. But they right. reiterated again last week, and right, so right. Steve Moore wrote about it. So we thought, you know, if they're going to do it, and they haven't done it yet. We might as well keep promoting the fact that that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, we went through just everything about how ridiculous it is when you actually break it down. How yeah. Yeah. how utterly insane it is because, and and you were you know we were talking about these people that promote it and like. We're looking for an adjective. I'd say very childlike. Yeah, they're very childlike. Yes. in in their critical thinking skills, yep. there there is really relatively no thinking whatsoever in it. And if you look at think about this, what does what does Joe Biden or Kamala Harris actually know about electrical engineering? About as much as they know about butt lifts. Between <laughs> diddly. <laughs> and squat diddly <laughs> and speaking of squat <laughs> there you have it i want everybody to know none of this is scripted no, this <laughs> it, is pure chemistry it, it's just the, it was just waiting to happen the natural flow of things it just was waiting to happen sorry it, it just bloom it had to happen at some time <laughs> you know it's like letting your cat outside. It's going to drag something back. It's just a matter of time. You don't know what it is. It's like a little bingo card. All of a sudden, oh, 
There it is. But we we spent a lot of part of the the uh, uh, the last hour talking about it, and and I thought of a perfect example. This was actually, I believe, from last summer, and I but it just appeared yesterday. The Blaze had it on, mm. and I just saw it. it says GOP senator leaves radical environmentalist silent with one simple question. And this was a hearing that was held in the Senate last year, and this is Senator uh, Mark Wayne Mullen last year talking. Uh, oh, I forgot her name. But she's an environmentalist who wants to get rid of plastics. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's just play a little bit of it, all right? All right. Because you just you should just shake your head. You know where it's going. Yeah, right, right. But here right, it is. Right. Okay. You want to end all plastic manufacturing? I said the plastics industry must be stopped. So does that mean end plastic manufacturing? I mean, in my dream world, sure. But I think that... So- um, Oh, so well, what, go ahead. No, so I, I, and I don't mean to be condescending here. I just point out what's going to replace your glasses. Um, like, so I do you wear know. Your glasses around your face. They're, they're made of plastic. Maybe. No, I don't know what they're made out of. They are. What, so, what about, and I just point out some things here because I just want to be realistic when we're having conversations because when statements are made like this, I just want to open people's eyes and say, well, what? okay, that's easy to say, but what's the solution? Your water bottle in front of you. This one. Yes. That plastic? No. The lid is. That's plastic. Right. So I would say to your question that I would first be concerned about single-use plastics, and then we can talk about alternatives to this. Your your cell phone there. The plastic? The cases. But it's glass because I broke the components inside of it yesterday. The components made out of it's not plastic? They are. The water that you filled that water bottle up with. Um, where'd you fill that water bottle up out of? A water filling station. All right, and it was delivered by a drink station that was plastic? I didn't check. The edges are. The piping coming to it. Now, you have a couple of choices with the piping. Um, we could go back to using wood, but then you have to have line it in chemical. Uh, or we could go back <coughs> and use lead, because we used to have water piping that was lead. That was harmful to us. Uh, we go back to galvanized. But galvanized rust and had discoloration. Um, we go back to copper, but but copper has to be mined, and everybody wants to stop mining in the U.S. So you use plastic to deliver piping that you fill that water bottle up with today. I, I point this out because the clothes you have on, I guarantee you have plastic in it. The shoes you have on your feet, the soles of those shoes are plastic. So we talk about any, any manufacturer, plastic manufacturing, and everybody in here cheers when you say that, but everybody here is depending on plastic as you set. So if you want to end it, then quit using it. It's kind of like I don't sharp it or shop at certain places right now because I don't agree with some of their policies. I choose not to do that. You can choose to not use plastic. Do your work. If, 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 if you believe it, then live it that way. There you go. Walk the walk. Own it. Go ahead. It's very tough with plastic well, stuff. Well, because, you know, it's, it, <laughs> it's always that's, it, that's the whole thing. And, and then she rolls it all the way, way back to, oh, well, we're just talking at first with single-use plastic. It was convenient until some movie star said it wasn't. Oh, it's all ending up in the ocean. All right, well, by whose account, and then, all right, fine, let's say you're right about that. 
All right. What are you going to replace it with? Uh, I know that South Lake Tahoe, California, banned the sale of single-use plastic. So, you know, if you want to buy a water there, you know, one of the individual waters or a case of water. I don't know what the solution was. I'm guessing they went with glass, right? And then you're going to have to use aluminum for the lid, right? Um, What about the plastics that go into labeling? What about the plastics that go into, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. And that was a fine example of all the Mm -hmm. different things. Look at all the different things that if you're sitting on a chair, whether it's in your car or in your office, if you're sitting on a chair, uh, unless you're sitting at home on a, you know, um, my furniture, my, my dining room furniture, big, heavy wood. So it's metal and wood. Those are rare exceptions. If you're sitting in an office, it's a lot of plastic. When you look at it and apply it to what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. you know, all right, so you're saying, okay, we need to get rid of this. Well, what do you replace it with? Right. What's your plan? What's you your know, solution? Well, you, we haven't gotten to electric cars. Right. And the materials they may use in the plastic in electric uh, electric vehicles and the casings and just everything else for the batteries. I mean, there's so much plastic that you that you need, but... Just in general, when you look at the the big picture of the big things that they wish to get rid of that would stop the production of electricity that is necessary for us to live Mm -hmm. in a modern society. And they have no plans. It's basically just cut it out and don't worry about how you replace it as you admit that your plan is to use much more of it. Right. But you have no that's. Only children do things like that. Adults don't because adults are supposed to be critical thinkers and say, how do we protect life? How do we protect human life? How do we make it a better quality of life? Instead, our politicians are doing the opposite. They're trying to make our life a living hell. Mm-hmm. And where they're going with energy here is exactly in right there. There it is right the last week. The president administration said it again. And think about it. And I'll say it again. What do you think President Biden and Harris that are promoting the elimination of natural gas and coal completely as power sources without any replacements, do you actually believe that they know anything about electrical engineering? They do not. They know nothing. They're completely clueless. And so many, so many Americans follow them blindly. Yep. And their opinion on technical things is childlike. Yep. We're going to stop using all this stuff. Well, what are we going to use? I don't know, but we're not using that stuff. Right. Well, we're going to need stuff. I I know, but we're not using that stuff. So what are we going to use? We don't know, but we're not using nothing. that stuff. That's, or, that's or, children. Or, or nothing. We just don't want to talk about it. Well, that's We're that's just going to pretend. We're going to pretend that it, because we're live in a fairy tale, delusional world. It just happened. And, and then when it drops dramatically, our energy sources drop dramatically, they're going to look at you and go, why were you using so much? For one person, they're going to guilt you into basically being in the dark and in the cold or trying to survive in the heat. 86690-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. 
USDA investments in supply chain resiliency in the past three years include almost $200 million in 185 projects nationwide designed to increase competition, enhance independent meat and poultry and other diversified food processing capacity and build local and regional food systems. Much of that comes within the Rural Development Mission Area. Rural Business Cooperative Service Administrator Karama Neal says five specific programs foster that investment. The World Business Development Grant, Evaluated Producer Grant, the Business Industry Guaranteed Loan Program, Rural Economic Development Loan and Grant Program. Plus a program not currently accepting funding applications. The Food Supply Chain Guaranteed Loan Program. More details about these programs are available online at www.rd.usda.gov. These investments and others that have been made and that will come are making and creating a better economic opportunity that spurs competition and bolsters food supply chains across the country. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Loops. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, Ford plans uh, uh, 2024 production, uh, plans to cut 2024 production of uh, the F-150 Lightning in half. Remember all the hype and hoopla over that? Oh, yeah. Remember? Uh, it was, that was incredible. Remember it was, was it Biden who took a ride in it? Yeah. 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 Remember that? Uh, and there was, uh, there's, you know, uh, some of the EV companies that are, that right now are just going I mean, just down uh, the drain, uh, Lucid Technologies, uh, they were going to be the EV, the luxury sports car EV. And, uh, you know, I mean, their their stock was um, uh, delisted from NASDAQ 100, and so their stock fell. At one time, it was up, you know, $30, $40 and higher, and now it's below $5. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yep, uh, Ford Motor will uh, cut the planned production of its all-electric F-150 Lightning pickup roughly in half next year, mm. making a reversal after the automaker significantly increased plant capacity for the electric vehicles in 2023. Uh, we will continue to match production with customer demand. That's not a positive statement. No. Ford executives recently said the automaker will match production demand to demand as the company cancels or postpones $12 billion in upcoming EV investments. Wow. You know, you said this during the break. Yeah. That. We're we're seeing it right we're now. Seeing we're seeing the seeing... actual implosion that's yeah. happening in real time right now. Yep, of the EV industry. <clears throat> uh, you see what uh, is happening with Lucid being delisted from Nasdaq 100. 
Um, and this was a company that had, you know, at one point the shares were, you know, much higher than they are now. I was trying to see if I could uh, bring up, let's see where the, where they're trading right now, $4 and 61 cents. See if I can get a, uh, 52 week high. Uh, you go back Well, you don't have to go back, but to earlier this year. And I think the, the high, well, at least as far back as this chart goes, you can go back to $11 and 52 cents a share, but much higher even that and than that. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that it's real simple. We, we should have known we should have, there should have been greater suspicion going, you know, all the way back to the, I think the EV OEMs got a, some shelter from the whole, um, COVID thing, but they also got hit hard. Like every other manufacturing industry from the spending after the COVID thing. And now the base model of the Tesla Cybertruck, instead of as promised 39,900, it's 20 grand more than that. When you have someone who's as prominent as Marques Brownlee, uh, who has a millions of followers and he is one of these guys who very smart about technology just a few years ago started getting into the uh, rating the EVs and and reviewing EVs and everything else. He's a Tesla fan and he had some good things to say about the Cybertruck. But the, the key point that he made in the cons of the Cybertruck was the price on the entry level, which was not going to be anywhere uh, near as promised. Well, a lot of that has to do with inflation. But a lot of it has to also do with the fact that you you weren't going to see this demand that maybe they were hoping for. I, I have no idea. I'd have to talk to Elon Musk and ask him where he got this 39,900 number that they were promising. These are the things that, you know, we should have seen when they couldn't keep up with production. It wasn't just a supply issue on raw materials and parts and everything else. It wasn't just what happened with inflation. It was the reality of the EV market in terms of what it actually costs to build one of those vehicles versus what the consumer is willing to pay. It is that simple. There's always going to be inf- there's always going to be some kind of influence on the price of raw materials, parts, um, setting up a plant. You know, uh, Tesla headquarters are in Austin, Texas. Uh, setting up, uh, you know, uh, your delivery infrastructure or motor delivery. Well, first of all, you have to build enough vehicles to actually have a concern about having a mode of delivery on multiple vehicles. And, and there are plenty of Teslas. Man, you drive around our area. There are Tesla cars all over the place. Now take the government out of the equation. Take the taxpayer dollars out of the equation. And I don't mean the like the even the local taxpayer dollars where they say, hey, if you'll build your plant here and bring your jobs here, then we'll give you tax incentives there. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the subsidies for purchasing those vehicles. Well, also, remember, though, what I would count, though, not just the, the 
uh, subsidies for purchasing the vehicle that come from states and the federal government. Mm. But the actual subsidies to build the battery plants, though, I think you need to yes, count. No, that, because, that type of subsidy that, is, a, is an actual subsidy. That's yes. not just a tax break. That's not an incentive. That, that is yeah. government money going in to actually produce the product, which is different than a tax break. Well, and 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 I just hit on something, and this is where the language starts to get, you know, muddy because, well, these are incentives, incentives, and whoa, 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 specifically what kind? Because if you're subsidizing it, you're, you're writing a check. And right. then others will say, well, no, subsidizing is any kind of tax break. No, if you're incentivizing and you're saying uh, any state or uh, local jurisdiction is going to say, okay, you, you come here, if you move your headquarters here, uh, we'll give you a, a, a break on local taxes because you're going to bring jobs here and those jobs will put money into uh, our coffers. Those people will be taxpayers. Right. They'll be they'll, they'll be, be buying things and, and buying homes and, and everything else. That's and, the design. And you are a since, you know, we're, we'll give you a tax break because you're a profitable entity. You're producing right. a profit, which right. means you're paying taxes, mm-hmm. and in many states, you're paying the corporate tax right. also, right. the corporate tax. You're, you know, normally you get the break. A lot of these companies get the break on local property taxes. Right, right. But they get it in order for their workers, who will be mostly locally based, who will then be buying homes, and and that's exactly. where, where that's where they view it. But there isn't a direct cash investment. There is a, okay, uh, this land isn't being used anyway. Right. You put the factory on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the worth's going to go up, mm-hmm. but we weren't getting much on it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the factory comes in. We'll give you a break on it, but we will expand the actual tax base of the of the town. You're not actually giving cash subsidies to a company that can't make a profit on what they're producing. And if we're, that's the difference, exactly. If we're having the national discussion here on the future of all this. Um, and, and the lunacy behind the mandates, I don't care what Tesla wants to build, let them build and let them sell it and let them make a profit. If they can make a profit, leave the taxpayer out of it. The same with Lucid, the same with Rivian, the same with any of them. If they want to build it, when people start seeing the value that goes beyond the virtue signaling of look what's in my driveway. Hey, look what I drive. Look what I drive. Because we've reached the saturation point on that part of the market. That portion of the market we've already hit. And here's what they didn't account for. They didn't account for the generational effect. Like, my grandkids probably aren't interested in something my dad, their great-grandfather, would want to drive. If you were talking about a daily driver, right? Mm -hmm. So then you think about, because there is a generational, in in terms of our sensibilities of amenities or anything else we want from a vehicle. Quick example, stick shift and AM radio. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) A-track. A-track. Exactly. And so (laughs) those things, uh, in fact, um, you know, my dad picked me up my first day in radio he was listening to WBAP, our flagship station here in Texas, and uh, was telling me, hey, unless you work at a station like that, you know, this whole radio thing is going to be pretty much a hobby. So, um, and, and he only had an AM radio in that truck. Uh, it was a F-100. It was a fairly 
knew it was only a few years old at that time. But all these all these things about vehicles and and also how you operate a vehicle, they are generational. And it you don't have to wait until you know your great grandfather you you it, you know is kind of aging out of the buying market. It doesn't have to be that. It's not that large of a gap. It changes, and we see it. We'll see the redesign. Something like just as simple as aerodynamics, and well, aerodynamics isn't just simple. It is about performance, but the aesthetics of a vehicle, how a vehicle looks. I, I saw an older version of the vehicle my wife drives the other day, and I was like, man, I would. That's not. I wouldn't drive that one. That one I don't really care for. Hers is cool. That one, it looks weird. The thing is, the 90s seems like it was yesterday. Yeah. And you see a TV show from the 90s, you see the vehicles. Like, what is this? Well. 1930? Well, this is it. This was a 2017 or 2018 model. Oh. And they changed the body. They updated the body style, which is what made it attractive. uh, You know, know, it's her vehicle and she chose it. but And she likes it too. But we both saw it and it was like, look at that one. That one's not that. That was only five years old, and it was, you know, the older body style, and it was like, mm You no. talk about the sensibilities in vehicles, though, I mean, the things that we that we want, that you know, and you compare maybe this generation to our grandparents, but it even can be, I think, uh, closer than that. My, my, my old vehicle, my new vehicle's 2017. My yeah. old one is a 2003. Right. So it's 20 years, it was 20 years old in May. Right. And it's amazing the noise when you drive that vehicle. Oh, yeah. And it's always been that loud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The sound insulation that they have put in vehicles. Yeah. When you drive a 20-year-old vehicle and you drive one where, you know, a modern vehicle, it's six years old now, but still I view that as a modern vehicle. Right. I can't believe how quiet. And it's the same, you know, same manufacturer. Right. And, And it's amazing how quiet that is. And how irritating it can be. Now I'm used to it, road but noise. If, but yeah. the but the road noise yeah. itself, yeah. you're like, God, I got to turn the radio loud. My other vehicle, it's like you don't even hear it. The sound, you know, the and the the sound system, of course, is perfect. Right. And the new one, right? The old one, I thought it was when I got it, but it's not. But you can hear, you constantly hear the road noise. Well, and you know, unless you're talking about a Jeep, they haven't, they've upgraded with everyone except for that brand. Yeah. And I happen to know because I drive one, but it, you can do things and I've done things to, and put in my own sound barriers, you know, along the way. But yeah, they're, they're, all these sensibilities of ours where it's like, okay, I don't like this about it. And they take that feedback and they just kind of, it morphs into something. And, and the Jeep, especially when you get beyond a, uh, a Wagoneer or a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee or something like that, which is a highway vehicle. Those are highway vehicles. When you get to the off-road vehicles or part-time off-road vehicles, it's meant for a different purpose to begin with. So that's an exception to that rule. But I don't believe that the EV market, I don't know that the EV market was was able to keep their finger on the pulse of that generational um, revolving door. The, the churn on the generational churn is something real because I'll tell you one of my, my oldest granddaughter has her own car. Uh, the twins are right. Her sisters are right behind her and they're shopping for cars. 
not even considering an EV, not even one day an EV. And they all three told me that. There's the gap. Too expensive, too much hassle, too much this, too much that. And one of them's in college, so the other two will enter college uh, by summer. Well, when you see the Wall Street Journal, the average uh, mortgage now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was before COVID, 1700 yep. Now it's almost 3400 Yep. Double. Right. Well, then you're complete. You're not looking for an EV. You're looking no. for something. You you're all you care about is efficiency and something that get you know efficiency and something that is exactly what I want and yeah. takes care of every need that I have because I can't mess around. Right, exactly. I gotta get A to B. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. One thing I'm watching, so I wonder what's going on here. You saw the 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 headline in Fox News: House Oversight Democrat quietly meeting with GOP lawmakers in an effort to quash impeachment inquiry sources. And this is you know, this is uh, Jamie Raskin, mm-hmm. <laughs> a pathological liar in in my opinion. Yeah, uh, when when I've seen him, you know, when it, when it comes to defending the Bidens, and it's like, well, he's telling them things. Because Comer isn't telling them the whole truth. He's telling them the truth. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, then why isn't he making it public? Right. If you're going to defend it, yeah. because you would want that positive political effect for your party and the president. Right. And so you would go public and say, I can defeat Comer. I, I've got all this information and I'm sharing it with my colleagues here on Capitol Hill. I'm sharing it right now with the American people. And that would end it, right? right? If he if he did, yeah. Why would you do it? Why would you do it in secret, right? And and so I guess I'm going down are the they, point. Are, what, are, what they're saying is, well, you know, they're trying to tie it to Joe Biden is the wrong thing to do. Well, then what you're saying is, tell us then the entire Biden family is corrupt and using Joe Biden, right? And Joe Biden, and you know, a a a person who's got problems with his cognitive abilities right and they've been using him for over a decade is that what you're going to try to sell us uh, wow guess we might find out soon yep this is red eye radio on westwood one john brings his skewed sense of humor jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.